Marchessault slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Watt looks up, taps it back, Dodonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Watt sets up Dodonov! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at lvsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Got some breaking news in the National Hockey League regarding one of the year-end awards from the regular season to pass your way. We'll get into that in just a little bit. The Jack Adams Award winner has been released. We'll also uh, dive into a couple of uh, prospects from the Vegas Golden Knights having a great postseason. Lucas Cormier and Jacob Brabenek uh, have been uh, outstanding in their regular seasons in uh, Canadian Hockey League. And update you on development camp at City National Arena when that stops by the home of the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, the training facility, the head office uh, of the Golden Knights, right after the National Hockey League draft. Uh, as we bring you into hour number two, Darren Millard, uh, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, getting set for game two between the Edmonton Oilers and the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, they're getting set to drop the puck, uh, and there's still no score, which is kind of surprising, even though it's statistically impossible yeah i i call shenanigans here because uh even though the puck hasn't dropped i refuse to believe it's not two to two already it's it's wild what the uh what the line has moved uh, i was on with the uh maroon number one this morning uh over on uh, the espn <laughs> side and we were talking about the line and adam candy uh was all over it uh with tyler yeah and we discussed uh, how it was uh one one site had seven uh for game number one i saw six and a half uh it blew through that uh, at 14 but it only moved up to seven and a half for game two tonight which is shocking one, because they doubled that in game one, so you'd expect it to, uh, maybe they won't go in the range of record setting again, but there's a good chance that they'll be uh, certainly uh, ahead of seven and a half. And the other one is that uh, the Colorado Avalanche uh, are going to start their backup goaltender in Pablo Francis. I, I thought it would be higher than seven and a half. Yeah, I, to be honest, like I, I feel like it probably should. I, I, I would argue that eight and a half is probably where I would go with this line. But then again, I'm not I'm not a professional um, line setter anyway. I, I just like to see that number on the board as high as possible. But uh, with with Pablo Franco's getting the start for the Colorado Avalanche with the unknown on on Mike Smith, how is he going to be able to bounce back? Is he going to be able to bounce back, or is this just one of those situations where it's a setback? that happens because Mike Smith has been playing so much hockey that he cannot find his game quick enough in this series. It'll be interesting to see how the goaltenders look early, but as you mentioned, we have to kind of change the way we perceive goaltending in this series by, based on what's good and what isn't. You asked the question earlier, Darren, uh, is, is a good goaltending performance allowing four in this series, allowing five in this series? The only good goaltending is whether or not you allow one less goal than the guy staring you down on the other side of the ice. Like that's, that's overly simple though. Scoring. No, no, no. It is it isn't. It isn't. You are just going to have to be one better than the other guy. That's good in this series. But that's but can, good in this can series. Can you allow, allow five goals and be considered having a good game? I don't think you can. 
You can get the win, if, if, but I don't think you can allow five goals and even in this, this series be considered having this a good isn't, game. This this isn't the series, Darren. This is not the series to 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 expect good goaltending to be the ruler of the day. It is good enough goaltending. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say that if Mike Smith allows five tonight and Pavel Francouz allows seven that Mike Smith is all of a sudden rebounded. I don't believe that at all, but he was good enough. And this series is going to have to be good enough. You're going to have to be good enough to win. That's it. You're not going to have a goalie steal a game or steal the series. It's just what not going to happen. What I'm happy about is uh, because far too many goalies win the Conn Smythe Playoff MVP uh, award. Uh, <laughs> no goaltender involved in the Western Conference Final has a shot of being the most valuable player in the Stanley Cup Playoffs. So I'm happy about that. The pressure is huge. Is the leash shorter on Mike Smith or Pavel Francouz? Oh, Mike Smith, for sure. Because Pavel has a guy that's played two games in the National Hockey yeah. League backing him up? Yeah, 100%. Like that, That's the only reason, right? I, th- I think that there's a legitimate case to be made that Pavel can stay in the game even if he allows four, five, or six because mm-hmm. – why would you put a, a young guy in that position uh, unless it's garbage time? Like if the game's over in the second or third pe- in the second period, and and you're just trying to get a little bit of garbage time play for Eustace what's that, what's the game then, being over? Sure, th- th- that's the next question. You bring up garbage uh-huh. time. I don't know whether there's yeah, garbage exactly. time exists that's, in this series. That's that's fair. So then you might have Pavel Francouz in for seven seven or eight goals against. Like mm-hmm. I don't see a scenario. Outside of injury, where you're taking Pavel Francouz out of the game. Mike Smith, you can pull him at two. Because Miko Koskinen played well in game one. Uh, Connor McDavid uh, has been great. Uh, I think he is so one of your, if you're going to come up with a, a top three list for playoff uh, MVP, Conn Smythe uh, uh, guys, uh, he would be right there. Uh, he had a three-point night the other night, and uh, that was extraordinary. Here's the fascinating part. And this this really does sum up where we are in this series. Is Kale McCarr is being lauded for not only his his offense, but also his defending ability for the Colorado Avalanche. He played 19 minutes the other night head to head with Connor McDavid, and mm-hmm. he and uh, Devontae's uh, were the, were the defensemen. When they were on the ice, five on five against Connor, the Avalanche had a fourteen to four edge in shots. That's hugely lopsided against the best player yeah. in the world. They had seven to two edge in shots from the slot, so high danger scoring chances. They were four and zero oh against Connor in rush chances. That doesn't happen, and they outscored Connor. Devontae's and and Kale McCarr when they were on the ice against McDavid's line, or McDavid, three to one. And and Connor still had three points the other night, still had. Th- so is well, Kale he- McCarr, is Kale McCarr the secret to the Colorado Avalanche getting through this against Connor McDavid head to head? Because we, I, I I talked about it being the forward lines head to head. But it appears to be the big change is is 
or the big impact is Taves and McCarr. I I said it after game one. Kale McCarr was the best player on the ice. And if he continues to be that, then he's going to be getting the better of Connor McDavid, which bodes well for Colorado. So uh, is he the key? Is he is he the secret? Yeah, 100%. He, he's got to be the best player on the ice after every game. Because if he is, he's getting the better of Connor McDavid. Well, the, the best player offensively, for sure. And he had a couple of moments uh, defending as well. But I didn't realize it was that lopsided. And having Nathan McKinnon uh, do his thing up front and have the puck, and uh, like that, that also plays into some of these uh, analytics with the, the shots and the slot shots and the rush chances. Like it's, it's all not just... Taves and McCarr, but uh, I'm 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 uh, willing to admit that uh, I didn't see it uh, in the eye test quite as uh, impressive as it is. Well, that's I mean that's fair. Like uh, that game was up and down, back and forth. Like there were goals going everywhere. You you recognize what Kale McCarr does offensively because that's flashy. It stands out. But you know from from a defending standpoint, the the best. Defense is a good offense. The best way to defend Connor McDavid is to make Connor McDavid defend you, and the Colorado Avalanche did that for the majority of the night. Yet, Connor still had three points on the night. Like that's yeah. the that's the the bigger takeaway for me. As good as Kale McCarr was in Game One, you they had the same number of Connor, points. You didn't stop him. They they, they yeah, the same you number. You contained him. You didn't stop him. Yeah. And and the fact of the matter is, like, I don't think there's any stopping Connor McDavid. Like, I don't think he was. Electric. I don't think he was as great as he was at any point in time during the Calgary series or the Kings series in Game One, and yet he still had three points. Like that's how that's how good Connor has been over the course of these playoffs. Is Connor McDavid like the Hulk? Do you guys remember the Hulk? <laughs> Lou Ferrigno. Remember the Hulk? Like it? Like it was only a thing that was around when you were a kid? What are you, what are you talking about? So what's the, what's the story with yeah, the Hulk? Yeah, we know who the Hulk is. What's the story with the Hulk? When he gets mad, he turns green. You wouldn't like right. him when he's angry. You wouldn't like yeah. him when he's angry. Is Connor the Hulk <laughs> in this series? You won't like him if he gets angry. I put Mc, uh, McKinnon in the same boat. Like I think he gets fired up. And, and gets going, and I like uh, 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 an agitated Nathan McKinnon. I'm curious yeah. what we see tonight with McDavid going out there, putting up a three spot, and still losing. How the reaction is with a what what kind of performance we get? I would imagine Connor's going to be at top flight tonight. Uh, I I don't know how many points he's going to get, but I think he's going to dominate the game. I really do, and and I think you're you're right on the money in your analogy. Like when Connor McDavid is is a little bit pissed off, he takes his game to another level. I wouldn't expect anything different from him tonight. Uh, Evander Kane had something interesting to say, talking about the Oilers' uh, approach to tonight, and this was this was after hmm. Game One. He said they weren't physical enough. Too much room for McKinnon and McCarr. I, yeah. And and Kane is one of those guys that can go out there and have an impact physically. One of the one of the few guys, Cassian can, but uh, but they're they're not exactly the the big bad Bruins out there for the for the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. But Kane can. 
I'm really curious to see whether this game gets feisty or physical tonight compared to all the – I think we're still going to get a ton of goals. But do the Oilers try to put uh, put a different spin on the, on the set with physical play? I would imagine that they will. I, I think that, you know, the, the Colorado Avalanche, they've got a little bit of snarl to them too, but it's mm. really not as prevalent as, as some other teams. And I think that they can be susceptible to getting pushed around. They can be susceptible to getting off their game when things get a little bit hard physically. So I, I think it's in the Oilers' best interest to get in and, and try to lay so their bodies around and try to throw some big hits. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Connor McDavid's one of the guys leading the charge. He was yeah. physical in the LA series. He was physical in the Calgary series. That's an element. That's a layer that he's added to his game in these playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not just Evander Kane or Zach Cassian, but also Connor McDavid out there doing, doing that. The other big uh, strategy approach for Edmonton in this series uh, is going to be how much Kane plays with McDavid and how much Zach Hyman uh, is slotted into that top line. Because they have two very different looks uh, when they put those uh, those guys uh, on the top line. Kane has 13 goals in 13 games. He's been outstanding. But Hyman kind of makes them go at, at times with uh, with a little bit of grit. Yeah, I I, I mean, there's, there's not really a, a – much more you can say about Zach Hyman. Like he, he's got an absolute motor. He's great on the penalty kill. He's done some really good work for the Edmonton Oilers. Big time goals in big situations. Uh, I think if you're able to rotate those two guys, uh, Zach Hyman, Evander Kane, and and find a winning combination, Jay Woodcroft's going to stick with it at least to get this series tied going back to Edmonton. So um, I, I'm curious to see what ends up happening. But the the, the Kane. And, and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl combination has been so electric in the past. I feel like you're going to see that at, at various times tonight. I got something else for you on uh, on Zach Hyman. He's an author. Wrote uh, mm-hmm. a series of children's books, and probably has another nice. one coming out. So uh, there's there's another one for you. Uh, one note uh, from the start of this game is Leon Dreisaitl uh, took the opening face off. Connor McDavid yeah. was not out. So is is Edmonton yeah. going to spread things around a lot tonight, or is that just a look uh, to start the game? Uh, Jay Woodcroft, uh, he's he's really played Drysaddle and McDavid. Part of it from from a need, but since he took over, he's really loaded up with those two. Uh, I, I'm I'm a little surprised well, at the start of this. Well, I guess kind of the the question that that leads me to, to naturally go to is, is Leon Dreisaitl closer to 100%, right? Because when when you saw McDavid and Dreisaitl together, it happened in the wake of Dreisaitl getting hurt against the LA Kings and not being as impactful uh, on his own. So you had to put Dreisaitl and McDavid together to get some type of production out of Dreisaitl. I wonder if if that sticks, like if those two players play away from each other more tonight than not, maybe that's an indication that Leon Dreisaitl is a little bit closer to 100%. Uh, both teams have had great chances so far, uh, including uh, a beautiful uh, end-to-end rush uh, by the Avalanche. It's, uh, it's spectacular hockey. Uh, what do you think the number of goals realistically in the first period tonight? 
How, how many? <laughs> they had. Th- it was there was three uh, the other night. There was only three, and and the the Rangers and Tampa Bay Lightning had had two last night. So it was it was pretty close between the the pair. Uh, things got wild mm. in the second period uh, between the Avalanche mm. and the Edmonton Oilers. But given all that we've talked about for the last two days, what, what what's uh, what's your expected number of goals? Ooh, um, four. That's a lot. I don't. I don't want. I. I don't. Yeah, but I feel like that's too small. Um, I'll. I'll go. I'll hedge a little bit. I'll say three. We get three goals in the first period. Wow, Chapman, so are you a more slow than... and and get into it? Oh, I think. I think we're going hard. I think four plus, Chapman. <laughs> I. I don't know. I mean, it. It seems like it's. It's going to be another high scoring wild game. Um. It. I. I, I don't know. Boy, that really stumped you, didn't it? Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I. There's no right answer, Chapman. If, if, Just if, pick well, a no, number. I mean, if, if six. I love it. Six. Yes. That's great. I got three. In in the old days, when they had gold judges, they'd have to uh, replace the light behind the the gold judge he'd have to he'd oh i wish i wish they'd bring that back what gold judges just the guy behind the net and the, and the glass and the light yeah well they still have the the, the goal light no no but, but the, uh, the, the guy in the yeah. little box oh that yeah. was great you know why you know why they don't have that they could sell the seat and make you more money. got that right <laughs> and then for a while they started they tried putting the gold judge uh up top like in the rafters looking down there was, there was a time, and I, I'm not joking about this, story time with Darren Millard, uh, where the, mm. the goal judge, the referee, there was only one it's referee at this time. time with Millard. Thank you. <laughs> the referee would maybe lose sight of the puck, but the light would come on, and the referee would go over and have a conversation with the goal judge, like going to the situation room. And then they would go, goal or no goal. But that goal judge sitting right behind the glass would really have massive say on whether that puck went in. And there is more than a handful of times where goaltenders would think that they stopped it, but the goal judge said it went in where goalies would go back behind the net and throw a tantrum on the glass against the goal judge. Nice. It was awesome, awesome stuff mm-hmm. in a very scary way. I wouldn't want to be a goal judge. But I had friends' dads growing up who were goal judges. They, it was great. They got an every game free, got the best seat in the house, and all they had to do was turn on a light. But the big controversy was if you had, like, in a playoff series like this, you couldn't have two Colorado people working the goal judge light uh, against the Amatoyas. Or in junior hockey, you couldn't have two Regina uh, people working the goal judge light. You had to have somebody independent uh, in there uh, to do it. Goal judges. That's a thing of the past. Doesn't doesn't exist anymore. A, somebody turns on the light, but the, yeah, the actual mm-hmm. goal judge, the, the referee, if he misses it or doesn't see it, he goes upstairs or he goes to the situation room. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evander Kane's had an impact. I, I, I wondered whether we'd do this, but uh, he's chirping away in trying to get involved. Yeah, he just made physically the, the crybaby uh, sign. Yeah, physically and verbally against the Colorado Avalanche uh, in this game. 
and they're gonna they're gonna try and play it a whole lot more uh, tougher in in this game uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. I think the compare the scrums in this game tonight compared to game number one will be uh, will be heavily increased. Yeah, what's the scrums per sixty outlook on this one, Darren? Uh, I, I I don't know. I track I, I'm somebody that tracks kerfuffles a lot more than scrums. More more kerfuffles or goals? Right, what's the kerfuffle? What's the oh, kerfuffle you're 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 not getting like a kerfuffle like last night at the end of the Rangers game. That was a kerfuffle. Kerfuffles are are obvious. Mm. I don't like scrums are boring. Like do something. <laughs> kerfuffles are great because they got potential. Last night I was watching the end of that Ranger game. I was wondering if that was going to turn into a, a couple of scraps, which is obviously a, a step above a kerfuffle. Uh, but that that last night was good. A scrum, you're like wasting your time. A couple of face washes, stinky glove in your face, like that. Ah, Way you go. That's that's whatever. Uh, I got some uh, news for you uh, regarding uh, VGK uh, development camp. Uh, that is coming up on so the draft is next month, July seventh mm-hmm. and eighth in Montreal, and the Vegas Golden Knights uh, will will pick their lot. I, I, I'll keep an eye on Vegas whether or not they trade up. They're one of the eight teams without a first round pick, and and I think there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing going on trying to get into the to the first round by a lot of teams, just because so many teams have multiple picks that I think there's going to be uh, an opportunity there. So we'll keep an eye on that. And then after everybody is done in Montreal, we come home to Vegas, and mm-hmm. the next week, July 11th to 16th, is VGK Development Camp. And it's been a couple of years since we've had this because of because of COVID. Uh, but uh, Development Camp is, is for uh, players that have, were just drafted or have been drafted in, in the past, uh, coming to Vegas, getting a, a lay of the land, uh, and uh, obviously working out in front of the, the Golden Knight uh, uh, coaches and management group and scouts. Uh, you also have some, some free agents. It reminded me of t- today that uh, the free agents also come. But it's a, it's a great opportunity to get a look at the future of the, uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights, and that's right at City National Arena, uh, July 11th to the to the 16th. So uh, not only the draft uh, one week, but this year we're getting back to normal with development camp uh, July 11th to the 16th. Uh, an opportunity to, to check it out. Uh, began kind of cool again to uh, to witness that firsthand. And and some of the prospects like uh, Lucas Cormier, we'll, we'll see what uh, what he does. Uh, Jacob Brabenek, those two players right now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like they might get a pass on development camp. I don't know, because they're still going. They play for the Charlottetown mm-hmm. Islanders of the uh, QMJHL. The Islanders uh, that mm-hmm. that's right near where my cottage is, you guys. And uh, I was I wish I was going there sooner because I could see these guys play uh, in person. But they're into the Q Quebec Major Junior Hockey League final series for the first time uh, ever that franchise. And Cormier has been just rock solid. And Brabenek, uh 
he ha- is the top rookie, the rookie of the year in the QMJHL. So they've got an opportunity to do some great things as they make history for the Charlottetown Islanders. And again, uh, some some great progress uh, by the players in the pipeline uh, yet to turn pro, but uh, doing some great things in the in the QMJHL. Yeah, it, I'm excited for development camp. It, it, it's uh, one of the things I look forward to the most when it comes to the summer because you, you get to, to get back into kind of the swing of of getting to the rink every day, watching practice, and just being around hockey. And uh, in the middle of July, it's going to be really hot. So yep. being in a rink is, is a beautiful thing. But, you know, beyond that, it, it is a, a, an uninterrupted week to view prospects and i think that that's the best thing that that we get to do in that week is you start to identify which players are maybe ahead of schedule which players you think um, are going to be able to to make massive strides or take massive strides uh so i'm i'm looking forward to and i hope that they don't skip out or don't get a a a pass on development camp because i want to see lucas cormier in development camp i want to see uh the next wave for the golden knights and just see kind of where they stack up with everyone else in the pipeline yeah cormier is a defenseman uh love his game i loved watching him uh Mm -hmm. last year prospect camp uh just before the the regular season uh started in main camp and brabinick's a uh a center uh, the top rookie. Uh, I, I wonder. So that's five weeks from now. Just a touch over five weeks from now. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder if we have, uh, Vegas will have named a coach by then. That's the other thing about uh, about prospect camp. Might be the first time yeah. to spend some some serious time around the new coach uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights. So another great opportunity. Uh, to to get to know uh, the new uh, head coach, the third coach in in Vegas Golden Knights history, so there's another reason to to have that penciled uh, on your on your calendar. The 11th to the 16th of next month at City National Arena, uh, VGK Development Camp. Do you, I, I, what's, I I don't know whether they they hire a coach. Like, there's nothing that says that you have to. But uh, but Kelly McCrimmon was talking about like the. You gotta you gotta hire somebody, then they gotta move their family, gotta find a place to live, and you'd like to do that before uh, certainly uh, uh, August and uh, July. I, I, I part of me thinks that they will have a coach, but things have have kind of stalled here on that front across the board. So I I don't know. My my gut feeling is they will. I feel like there will be a coach in place for the Vegas Golden Knights before the draft. Oh, really? I, I just do. Yeah. Yeah. I well, think, that's I only a week before. Draft, before before development camp, I, I think that there will be a coach in place for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, you know what, Barry Trotz, he's, he's been uh, mentioned yesterday, uh, the last few days, but he's been interviewed by so many. You know what he should have done is, is hold off mm-hmm. these interviews and just gone to the Combine in Buffalo where everybody's congregated right now and he could have he could have done all the interviews in one afternoon just gone because every team's got yeah. a suite uh at uh at yeah. the rink and you, you just go around and you just pop into everybody's suite and you just do it instead of doing all the zooms or flying around uh to different organizations it could have uh, been a, a lot more economical with it and would have had yeah. something to really really say about it but uh the, the the combine you you guys have you been to the combine no no it's awesome because everybody's there, scouts. Uh, we got managers. We got uh, player personnel uh, directors. Like it's so great. You walk around uh, the the facility. You bump into everybody. Never mind the players. 
who you get to to hang out with and and maybe chat with and and wonder and talk about their uh, situations, like the Hughes uh, combination. Dad's a general manager, uh, son's a prospect. Um, um, I think there's some. Uh, it's just a really cool uh, vibe. Uh, to be around, and the best part is coaches, or not many coaches there, but uh, managers. It's it's not the pressure of the draft, so they're a little more easy going, and you can have some cool conversations. I I suggest Wallace, you go to the uh, mm-hmm. the combine one year. Chapman, you're not allowed to. What? No, <laughs> because you take advantage of it and you start asking goofy questions. No, no. There, there's true. a time to be goofy, and there's a time to be serious, and and that's not a that's not a goofing off. But that's a time. casual environment, and you would see casual environment, and you would you would take advantage. Well, Wallace agrees with me. On I, this. I I could tell you when when I yeah, went to the I'm draft when here. I went to the draft and we talked to Bob Lowe's and and Kelly McCrimmon after the draft and and I talked to the players. All business. It was all yeah. Business. No, the draft is business. It's the the combine. There's a relaxed. I mean, there's a lot of business taking place at the combine, but there's a more relaxed uh, atmosphere. I, I don't mind you going to the to to the draft. I think there's enough uh, intensity around that to keep you in line. But the 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 combine, you you'd be talking to people about some <laughs> video games or <laughs> whether that's like true. Favorite I, cookie. Well, I mean, I, if Mike Rosati was there, I'd, I'd I'd be trying to get a good good recipe for for you know some some Italian gravy. I can get you again. That. This yeah. is why Chapman. This <laughs> yeah. is why. Exactly. Well, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Got some good stuff uh, for you, uh, and we're also going to catch up with Chapman. See what he brings to the table today on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. We should do a podcast of this program. We do. It's up every day on LVSportsNetwork.com. I know, but but what I'm going to say, see see what I did there? I, I baited you in. Mm-hmm. But the podcast should be our conversations during the commercial break. There should be a, <laughs> yeah. a bonus pod. And we'll yeah. get into it. I got, I got a lot of news and notes uh, to get to. But listening to Chapman say off the cuff French-Canadian names, and try to pronounce them <laughs> is one of the most <laughs> difficult things to get your head around, funniest things to get your head around, and bizarre yeah. things to get your head around. It was good. It was uh, it was fabulous. Must be uh, satisfied. I, all I did was uh, correction, correction, yeah, correction, correction. Yeah, I, I do then, not want to go through the, the correct. The, I don't want to go through the NHL alum. Was given to you. Well, yeah, oh. I, yeah. The if I if I was to name the NHL alumni for the the guys who played for for the uh, Shawinigan, whatever the team is called, the only one I could probably name is Enrico Ciccone, and that's probably it. Oh, Jason Palmaville. There we go. Two of them. Everyone else, I'm absolutely butchering their got, names. You got Jelena. Martin. Je- well, he's from there. But he oh. did not play for them. Patrick yeah. Laleem played for them, though. So, uh, three guys. You got that one. Yeah. Good job. 
Uh, the coach of the year is Daryl Sutter of the Calgary Flames. He's never won it before, despite winning a couple of uh, Stanley Cups and going to a Stanley Cup final uh, as well. Uh, this is Daryl Sutter of the Calgary Flames' first Coach of the Year award. Uh, so he claims the Jack Adams Award. Uh, Andrew Burnett, the interim coach of the Florida Panthers, finished second. Gerard Gallant was third in voting. Dean Evison of the uh, Minnesota Wild was fourth, my buddy Dean. And Jared Bednar of the Colorado Avalanche, uh, the coach uh, right now in the Western Conference Final, rounds out your top five. Uh John Cooper, coach of the two-time <laughs> defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning, did receive consideration, uh, mm-hmm. but not a lot. This this is no. disappointing, honestly. How does this happen? Can you can you tell us where John Cooper finished uh, coaching into his third yeah. and playoffs? Playoffs, by the way, this voting takes place. It's just regular season, and the Tampa Bay Lightning finished third uh, in in their division. So. Uh, but still, they, they've gone through all kinds of uh, uh, challenges, and they were still over 100 points. So uh, where, where, where did John Cooper finish? Yeah, John Cooper came in 10th place in the voting, receiving just six total votes, one first-place vote, one second-place vote, and four third-place votes. Uh, coming in directly in front of John Cooper with more votes. John Hines hmm. of the Nashville Predators. John you know, Hines. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I'm a little surprised Cooper finished 10th because you look at the voting and and he could have easily finished 11th. Uh, Sheldon Keefe of Toronto was 11th. And given all yep. the attention that the center of the hockey universe gets, uh, I wouldn't have been surprised that, that <laughs> Keefe would have uh, finished ahead of uh, John Cooper. 14 coaches in all. Yeah. Received votes yeah. uh, for Coach of the Year. 14 of the 32 coaches. Uh, congratulations uh, to Daryl Sutter. Uh, that's cool. Uh, Patrick Maroon. I didn't realize this, you guys. So we know that uh, that the Tampa Bay Lightning are have won 10 straight series going back the last uh, yeah. two and a half playoffs. Patrick Maroon, personally, as an individual has won 14 straight series. The only people that have won more consecutive Stanley Cup playoff series were part of the New York Islanders dynasty in the early 80s. That is some, and we've we've talked about Patrick Maroon going for his fourth straight Stanley Cup uh, individually (laughs) with the St. Louis Blues and then the last uh, uh, couple with with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But 14 straight series for Patrick Maroon. And then he was getting feisty and at it last night. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Pat Maroon, um, how do I put this? Is the greatest hockey player ever. Uh, big like, rig. Uh, tongue in cheek, yes. But, like, the, 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 the thing with Pat Maroon, to me, is he's been a master of timing, right? The perfect opportunity presented itself in St. Louis. He took it. He was great in that role. And then what did he do? He identified a place that he could play at a number he could play for in Tampa. And then re-signs. Understanding where his value is to that team. Understanding what the window looked like. Pat Maroon took advantage of perfect timing. And in, in life, when timing is always hit or miss, that needs to be commended. He played for John Cooper in uh, in 
the minor leagues, not not like professional minor leagues, but in uh, junior hockey. You know that? Mm-hmm. And uh, he was part of the Chub Club because uh, because he was carrying oh. too much weight and they had to work out extra after. Yeah. And it was part of the Chub Club. Uh, Jason Zucker, uh, we know him from our, around Vegas. Uh, some talk about uh, what his future holds. Uh, he uh, he played 41 games last year, uh, had some uh, some surgery, and he only scored eight goals. He's a five-time 20-goal scorer, but he he hasn't hit double digits in a in a while. He's 5.5 million. Would you hold on to him, hoping that you can strike uh, get back, or what do you do with Jason Zucker? I I think that. There were injuries this year. I, I feel like he can get back to that level. I think that, that he can maybe not put 20 goals in, but but be a 15-goal guy in the league. I I like Jason Zucker. I like his motor. I like what he brings to the table. I, I feel like I would put I would, I would would put stock in Jason Zucker coming back and, and being able to play. Yeah, they're talking about uh, potentially moving him uh, just because the the 5.5 uh, for one more year. On the subject of money... Mm. Johnny Gaudreau, if he can't work out a deal with the Calgary Flames, what do you think the AAV is for the Calgary Flame superstar? Um, you just made people I check mean, their radios. There. You, you were taking you were taking uh, uh, some thought time, yeah. and people were adjusting their radio. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll say this. If it doesn't start with a 10, he's doing it wrong. Wow. 10, 10 is where the the speculation is. A hometown discount might be 9 because you get the extra year yeah. for the Calgary Flames. Yeah. But on the open market for seven years, $10 million a year. I don't know if I'm doing that, to be perfectly honest. I don't know if I can do that. Uh, uh, Acar, I, I think someone will. You guys know Alex uh, Radulov. He's uh, he's like there's a guy, like great run, but now he's 36. He was a healthy scratch in the playoffs for the uh, yep. the Dallas Stars. Uh, I, it sounds like he's going to the KHL. Do you know why I, know, I think that? Uh, Acar wow. Bars uh, of the KHL team there uh, put out a teaser video. Welcoming uh, <laughs> Radulov to the team. <laughs> now, there's been no comment by anybody, uh, and and no official comment from from the KHL team either, or the KHL. Yeah. But they re- uh, it sounds like somebody said hit send before they were supposed to hit send sure. on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of strange, but uh, there was the, well, the, the I teaser have a, I have a video. Theory. Oh yeah, I have a theory. Yeah. You just put it out there and hope that oh. now that it's out there, he can't say no. Yeah. Hey, it's, uh, oh, you can't I, say I no. I thought he was playing for. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind that. Uh, Frederick Anderson of the Carolina Hurricanes. Hmm. His injury. He didn't didn't play in the playoffs at all. Uh, was injured down the stretch. A torn MCL. And he did say that he was close to returning. So, we know that. Uh, that uh, anti Ranta, that looked bad uh, when he got hurt yeah. in in Game Seven, yeah. and I was speculating like maybe it was a good thing that Carolina lost because they didn't 
what were they going to do for a goaltending uh, in in the Stanley Cup semifinal? Uh, but this this may have changed things uh, a little bit for the Carolina Hurricanes. Now we have been rusty and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, coming back from a torn MCL straight into the Stanley Cup playoffs is not uh, 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 the textbook way to to have success. But uh, that's what it was. Uh, medial collateral ligament uh, damage uh, for Frederick Anderson, and now he's got all summer uh, to get healthy. Uh, another goaltender of much conversation right now is Carey Price, uh, hmm. and uh, he's a uh, uh, a guy that's got uh, some knee problems right now. He's got four years left, $10.5 million cap hit. Uh, they're talking about LTIR, but they say they probably won't decide until the uh, free agency date. Uh, the the draft isn't yeah. critical, but free agency date. Uh, those are your one-timers brought to you by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. Catching up with Chapman's next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Uh, as expected, a much feistier game, two between the Oilers and the Avalanche. Chapman, what do you got? All right, stick tap to the uh, social media team over at the VGK for tweeting out yesterday. They, they encourage people to post pictures of their pets named after members of the Golden Knights. And a lot of people responded with a lot of great pictures of their dogs, cats, and even some, even some lizards. which and, and I think some goldfish, too, which was kind of cool. So it got me thinking. If I was going to name my dog, because I, I have never had cats, I'm a dog guy. But if I was going to name a dog after a member of the Golden Knights or a former member of the Golden Knights, the name that would come to me, and it might surprise you guys, but I would name my dog Tuna after Tomas Tatar, one of my all-time favorite members of the Golden Knights, and I think a great nickname for uh, Tatar. So you're naming your pet after a nickname. Which violates the actual question. Well, no, because there are people who named who named uh, their their dog Patches, and people who named them Taco after Alex Tuck. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it works. You could you could do the nickname. Okay. All right. I didn't... How, how about you, Darren? You gonna name your one of your dogs after? Uh, I'm going out uh, with the uh, the person that named their cat Nighty or Hindi. They named it Hindi. <laughs> I saw that uh, one. Uh, uh, after Shane Natty. So They said it uh, looks just as good in a tuxedo as Shane. Yeah, I, 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 I like that one. Uh, I, I'd have uh, uh, Dave and Shane as my, my two uh, two corgis. No lawman? Uh, no. No, Dave and Shane. Because that's, that's a contract. I have to have two pets. Okay. Ryan? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm still hung up on Shawinigan, Chapman. <laughs> Shawanigan? <laughs> yeah. If I didn't know, like if I hadn't brought up the conversation, I wouldn't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> the Shawanigan cataracts. <laughs> That's not even what you said. I know. <laughs> Shawanigan. Then we Shawinigan. got the Canadian prime ministers there for a yeah. bit. <laughs> Yeah. But is there a name you know on that team? Mm-hmm. Anything, just anything. No, no, we're out of time. Any French <laughs> Canadian name you know? Dominic we'll be back Roussel. tomorrow. I love uh, the Dominator. Great goaltender. <laughs>